Welcome to the Asia Cybersecurity Brief by Black Panda, where we speak with the thought leaders and frontline experts in the industry. We keep you up to date with everything relevant to the world of cyber defense and how it affects the people and businesses in the Asian region. In this world, there are two types of businesses, those who know they've been hacked and those that don't. And welcome to this week's episode, The Current and Future State of Ransomware in APAC, a conversation. Ransomware, as the year progresses, feels like it's everywhere. Sometimes, and every day, a new ransomware hack is revealed in the news or it's discovered in the dark web. It affects everything from our infrastructure with our energy grids, oil and gas, meat supplies, financial institutions, global telecoms, healthcare services, and small to medium enterprises who thought they were too small to even be targeted. Today's guests are two prominent ransomware experts in the realm of cyber threats here in Asia Pacific. Mark Fuentes, Director of Cyber Operations and Strategic Services at Harangi, and Nathan Reed, Director of Digital Forensics and Incident Response at Black Panda. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having us. Great. Uh, let's just get right into it. Let's speak about the state of ransomware globally versus APAC. You know, first off, we're here in Asia, but ransomware victims are without borders. Same with the attackers. They seem to be without borders. What are your thoughts on the state of ransomware globally versus here locally? Uh, so what we're finding in the Asia region is the, the laws and regulations here are a little bit behind uh, other countries, especially in Europe and America. And what that leads to is uh, the motivation in order to carry out incident response uh, or affect cyber defenses uh, to protect against ransomware. Uh, we've seen a few cases in the region where uh, they're okay to get a few of their devices ransomed and they just um, uh, restore the device uh, from a backup and continue on with business. Uh, the backup works, however, they're not um, fixing the root cause of the issue. And so we've seen that kind of motivation with quite a few teams around here where uh, they, they deal with the, the threat, but they don't really get to the root cause of the problem. And the maturity of the different cyber teams um, is still coming up to par with uh, other countries. And so we see a uh, low level, level of knowledge, uh, potentially low political buy-in from the different sizes of the business. And that leads to a low level of defense, uh, unfortunately, which makes it a very good uh, target to be attacked. And so with having a low budget for being able to defend uh, your company and potentially not having dedicated resources, uh, it makes you a very easy target for ransomware uh, attackers. And also uh, on that with the regulations, we don't see a true picture of how many people do get attacked in the region because they don't have to report it most of the time. And so it could be a lot worse uh, than what the statistics uh, currently state. And we're not seeing a trend in a positive direction uh, as of yet, unfortunately. What we've seen uh, recently in the last couple of years is the number of ransomware uh, outbreaks in the area has just been increasing and their impact as well has been increasing along those lines. Uh, Mark, what have you experienced? Um, yeah, it's, um, I'm seeing uh, a lot of the same. What I'm really paying a lot of attention to is um, a noted rise in the in the ransomware attacks. I think this is due to a lot of things. Um, ease of use is one of them. Um, it's very easy to launch a ransomware attack, especially nowadays with the with, you know the prevalence of ransomware as a service or um, a lot of um, kits that are helping people just uh, launch these attacks without having much uh, knowledge into how to create ransomware itself. So the um, the gate to enter is quite it's quite easy. Uh, so um, we're seeing a, a big rise. It's easy. To, not only is it easy, but the payoff is big. So uh, low risk, high reward. Um, so we're seeing a lot a lot of these things uh, happen now. Th these are the most prevalent. I mean, obviously, uh, phishing and ransomware are kind of like neck and neck as as we see um, 
as the higher as the higher level of attacks in the world today. But um, it's kind of the same. They're both based on social engineering, right? I think um, I saw a stat, uh, I think a little while back from uh, ABC News. They said that malicious emails have uh, risen 600% in 2021 because of COVID. Uh, and that's that's obviously, obviously going to be either phishing or ransomware. So um, yeah, definitely if I just wanted to give uh, a statement about it, uh, this is becoming the, the favorite attack vector for hackers and, and uh, not, just, uh, not just your common cyber criminals, but also um, your, some of these I'm feeling are, are probably state-sponsored as well. Yeah, we had a couple of instances with that with um, North Korea with WannaCry and Russia with NotPetya. Uh, classic examples. That's right. And um, right. as you said, the barter entry into ransomware is lower. Um, some of the customer support you get on those ransomware service uh, portals is fantastic. Um, yeah. Someone with very little or no computer experience could absolutely carry out an attack. Yeah, that's a great point. The uh, the customer service is fantastic. It actually it actually rivals a lot of enterprises as far as the uh, customer service on on and support. Uh, for some of these other legit software uh, software uh, companies, so it's it's definitely um, it's definitely easy to get into. So um, we're not really surprised that we're seeing this giant like surge in, in ransomware attacks. Absolutely, and the skill set of those exploit kits, as you mentioned, because you have dedicated uh, developers always increasing it. So as soon as um, a defense is put out there, uh, they start working on a patch. Brand to new one, go around yeah. It. Brand yep. new one comes right out, right? So absolutely, it's uh, it's, uh, it's definitely um, it's the attack of the day. It's the vector of the day. Um, and I don't see that going away for a while because it's just the success rate. Not only, I mean, the success rate is high, but it doesn't even need to be that high because it's so easy to just attack people en masse, right? And if if one campaign fails, you just move on to the next one. It's not that it's not that crazy. It doesn't um doesn't cost the attackers much uh to operate. So yeah, that's exactly right. That's what a couple of dollars per attack and you have a payoff of potentially thousands. Easy. Uh, that that's yeah. good ratio. Yeah, and you know uh, it's about it's it's a battle of numbers. So you know you, even if you attacked a thousand a thousand hosts, only if three or four of them got infected, right? You you've already got a good payout. So exactly right. That's why we often try to make um, customers at least more secure than their neighbor. Because uh, your tech yes. will just move on to the least secure target because it's easy. Most definitely. Most definitely. And and I mean. It just gives us a, I mean, all of this stuff we're talking about, it just gives everyone a good idea of what we're dealing with here. Um, obviously, we're not, I mean, we're on the other side of it. So it's really important to educate people, like you said, as to how easy these these things are to to, uh, to perpetrate. So um, people need to know that it's, you know, when you talk about ransomware, you talk about data breaches, any kind of attack, uh, any kind of hacking attack or anything like that. Most people feel like that's happening somewhere else in the world, like, and it's not going to happen to them. So um, what I see with my clients is they always feel like it's going to happen to someone else. And um, that's the one thing that we have to uh, battle while we're, you know, trying to get people ready to fight this stuff. Absolutely. And you also have people, um, they need to put their mind in the mind of the attacker. So as a defending team, I need to be thinking, how would I get into a network? If there's a server with a service publicly available and it's vulnerable to remote code execution, that's an open door uh, right there. Yeah. And so I should be um, moving my defenses uh, to protect that asset and carry out patching naturally. And so I think it's prioritizing different patches that come out, especially on Patch Tuesday, uh, seeing what vulnerabilities come out and how it affects you. Ah, critical. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny because uh, I've... You know, I, I I grew up in the industry working in the West, in, in America, mostly. And we always talk about Patch Tuesday, right? Uh, but I've been out here in, in um, Southeast Asia for about three or four years. And 
I've never heard anyone once mention Patch Tuesday. Not not once. That's the so first true. time I've heard it in the last four years. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's a big thing. Vulnerability vulnerability management is huge. Uh, patch management is huge, and I have a hard time finding a lot of uh, finding many organizations that are that mature that they uh, take patch management and, and vulnerability management. Um, seriously and that's that's quite a low bar as well if you think about it absolutely yeah totally agree the other thing that um i found also concerning seeing more recently uh, when we do our dark mode monitoring is kind of remote access as a service where someone uh, will go around doing brute force against open rdp protocols or similar or, or vpn that doesn't have multi-factor uh, colonial mm-hmm. pipelines a classic case of that yes. and it's just a time a time game um or if you use the password that is on the the rainbow dictionary you can crack it almost straight away yeah. And then they sell that access. And so if you could combine remote access as a service and ransomware as a service, oof, um, yeah. kind of like when Autosploit uh, connected Shodan with their toolkit so they could automatically scan the entire internet without touching and, it, find the vulnerable and, things and hit it. And it's kind of funny to me because I didn't think that rainbow tables would still be pertinent in the, at this time, right? I thought they would be obsolete by now. But I mean, organizations are just, uh, for many reasons, uh, most of them being just not knowing or uh, just not feeling that it's valuable. Many organizations are not ramping up their uh, their security programs, uh, like you said, Colonial Pipeline. Right? They could have they could have just put in multi factor on their VPN, and they could have saved themselves a lot of headache. Um, MFA is just it should be a no brainer at this point in in our in our society, but um, it's not something that's as prevalent as we would hope. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think if MFA was in place, half my jobs would go away. Um, yes, pretty much. It, it's terrifying to see, um, and it's it's really sad seeing a customer where. Just a tick box uh, in Office 365 or similar could have saved them such a massive impact, half a million dollars in one case. But I, I see a lot of my clients, uh, a lot of my clients, they will shun MFA simply for the fact that too many of their users are saying, we don't want to have that extra extra step to get into our stuff. It's just not, it's not convenient for us. So um, a lot of people knowingly will, will shun MFA. Oh, simply for ease of use, which is kind of crazy to me because it's not that much of a, I mean, when it takes maybe three months of getting used to, like it's, it's a hassle for three months, but then after that, you're just, it just becomes part of your routine, you know, and it's a very yeah. uh, valuable thing to add to your routine. So yeah, exactly right. And naturally we use it here for all of the admin tasks and user, but I find yeah. with Microsoft, um, I mean, the cookies make it very easy. Once you trust one computer, uh, that's fine. But as soon as, uh, my Russian buddy figures out my password and tries login. No hope. Uh, has to That's come right. up with that code. So. That's right. That's exactly right. Just moving on down the list of questions. The next one was uh, common pitfalls and mistakes for companies for initial compromise. And uh, pretty much wherever the bar is. Um, I find misconfigured services are a classic. Unknown devices as well seems to be quite a, quite interesting recently where yeah. Yeah. you think you've decommissioned a server, but it's still running there. And so naturally the team's not looking at it. Uh, it's not being secured or patched, but it's still still quite vulnerable. So um, I, uh, I'm, I'll talk about it here. Um, so selfless plug, uh, shameless plug, um, shameless plug. I, I'm, I've just released a, a ransomware uh, defense assessment uh, over at Harangi, creating a, a ransomware defense framework. And I do this because it's, it's uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's nothing new. It's really just hygiene. It's just hygiene. It's not really a thing. Um, uh, I probably shouldn't say this. I mean, it's, if people watch this thing, but really, um, it's important. It's very important, and people really because it's not sexy. It's not cool. It's not the. It doesn't have AI, and it doesn't have machine learning attached to it. People always ignore um, hygiene, right? Like you were saying, 
ghost ghost IT, uh, uh, rogue IT or ghost IT. That just that's just offboarding processes, right? You just need a robust offboarding process for that. Uh, MFA, right? Um, just having proper asset management in place, having a having a proper backup management in place, right? These are the best ways to protect yourself against ransomware, and no, and people are not doing it. They're just not. And it's so funny to me because you will uh, you'll go on these forums or you'll go on 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 LinkedIn and people go, hey, what's what's the best way to like you know uh, what's what would you do when you get hit by ransomware? They're like, oh, what we do is we we put together we put aside all of these funds and we get ready to pay the ransomware whenever it comes. And I'm like, well, if you're gonna put all that money aside, why don't you spend it on security? Like, why don't you spend it on readiness? Spend it on backups. Spend it on security awareness. Spend it on email security. Spend you know, there's so many things you can do to really lessen the impact of ransomware in your organization. You, just if you had money and these people are saving money to just skip the step and go pay the ransomware. And, and that's absurd because number one, you have no guarantee you're going to get your data back. And number two, you pay that ransomware. I, I believe the number is like, uh, th there was a survey I saw and of all the respondents that got attacked by ransomware and paid, 43% of them got hit right hit by ransomware right after. Again, because you've told the world that you pay. You've told all the attackers that if I get hit, there's going to be money involved here and I will pay you out, right? Um, yeah, that's exactly right. We had one customer that got hit every month. Um, yeah. We're pretty sure it's the exact same attack group, same Bitcoin wallet. Um, but yeah, every month they'd come in, they'd break in, ask for money. Um, if they had robust, secure backups, I mean, who cares if you lose the data, you can just restore it. You basically yeah. subscribe to <laughs> ransomware now, right? You're like, okay, well, uh, let's pay them the monthly payment, you know. Um, yeah, just crazy. like Netflix, but you don't get the reward. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, for me, if if you wanted, and it's a blanket statement, but if you wanted me to point to one common pitfall, it's that people don't spend enough money preparing themselves for this exact uh, exact eventuality, right? Well, they do. They think they do by saving money to pay for it. When you could really be, um, you know, bolstering your own defenses and and making sure that the impact is much lower. Yeah, that's right. And it doesn't have to be on technology either. It could be on skilled people who can uh, adjust your systems exactly. correctly. Uh, exactly. I've been in Asia just over a year, just in Hong Kong, and I haven't seen a network diagram. Most teams don't know what they're doing. Yes. Uh, they can't visualize yes. it. And, and that's so insane to me that they don't, right? So because I tell people, because people are always like, yeah, let's, you know, let's, let's get a really good um, risk management policy in place really good IR policy in place. I'm like, okay, well, you 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 want to measure risk, right? But uh, what's the risk of all your assets? Like, well, what about this asset? We're like, oh, we don't know, right? What about your networks? Like how, what about the different networks you have? What's allowed on those networks and what's not allowed? Oh, we don't know, we don't, we don't have a network map, right? We don't have a network map, we don't have a network map, we don't have an asset register, right? And um, I was doing a talk a couple of months ago and it was the same um, conversation. Nobody does these things because it's not sexy, right? It's not, it's not cool, it's, it's not the bleeding edge thing, but these foundational things, if you're not doing them right uh, as a foundation, the rest is kind of, it doesn't have, it's a moot point because uh, you know, you know, yes, it's good to understand your risk, but what about your assets? What about your data? What about your network? Um, you need to apply these risk management uh, risk management me metrics to those things before you understand what you're protecting, right? 
you can have the best shields in the world, but you know, if you don't place them in the right places, it doesn't matter. So um, it starts there at the foundational part where you say, okay, what, what of this data do we need to be backing up constantly? Because if, we, if it gets encrypted by an enemy, we're, we're dead in the water, right? What of this data can we, can we be okay with? If, if, if it gets hit by ransomware, maybe we just let it go. Maybe it's public information, right? Um, but maybe our secret sauce, maybe we should have better uh, policies around those things. Um, and another thing you said, it doesn't have to be technology. It doesn't have to be processes. It can be people too, because ransomware hits your organization through people. Um, I was talking to someone yesterday and I'd never heard this before, but they said, you have to worry about layer eight. I said, layer eight, what's layer eight? There's only seven layers, right? Said, layer eight is the people, right? I was like, oh man, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to use that from now on. Um, and layer eight is, is probably the best place to put in. Uh, it's, it's your low hanging fruit when you talk about defense. If you can teach your people to spot red flags in emails and report them up to your security team, you can probably cut your risk in half. You know, um, so awareness of your of your users' awareness is is huge, and I think um, that also often gets overlooked. Yeah, that's true. I find user awareness, along with um, in some cases, they went through the course, but they didn't actually tell them how to report a phishing email, and it's yes. a key step. So if eighty people get phished, you only need one person to report it to the security team, and they can pull the email and reduce the risk. I found I found that yeah, when that happens, and a user will get an email and then panic and not know what to do about it, and then they somehow they find they find the IT team or someone and they say, hey, look, no one told me, but is this who I talked to about fishy emails or whatever? Uh, so yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, they can go through that training and just not know how to actually react. You know, So that's a big, that's a key component. We had one recently where um, also there's political buy-in and willing to make the hard choices. So we had, uh, let's say 30 people fished in this case, they gave up their credentials. Uh, what occurred from there is you could have carried out a password reset immediately on all 30. Don't worry if they, uh, to trust them whether uh, they click the link or not, just reset the password. Uh, that wasn't carried out. And so half of those 30 users then did an internal phishing uh, campaign against all 800 employees. Now you have to reset the password for the entire business. Wow. And that uh, spilled out to their um, sister companies as well. They started getting breached for the same way because they received an email from a trusted uh, sender. Uh, it's got all the DKIM and DMARC checks, but ultimately it's malicious. And so that uh, took quite a while to clean up. And ultimately, 3,000 users had to have their passwords reset. And of course, MFA um, would have fixed that straight away. That's a great one, decisiveness, right? Um, right in the middle of a crisis, you have to be decisive or else um, containment becomes a lost cause. Absolutely. And it's cool you mentioned layer eight. One thing from a pen testing side is you don't always need a zero-day exploit. You just got to exploit the user. That's your zero-day right there. Yeah. <laughs> yep, uh, absolutely. Uh, the same thing happens for us uh, when we do red teams. Uh, we we did a red team. Uh, I think it was a middle of last year where we just couldn't we couldn't we couldn't get through their firewall. We couldn't get we couldn't get through their EDR. Nothing. So we just started dropping USBs on on their premises, uh, and that got us in. That's how we got in. We we ended up uh, doing bad USB attacks on them. Uh, and it works. It's straight yeah. up a layer layer eight, right? So. Uh, we couldn't get in. We 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 were banging our heads against the wall for maybe two weeks, and we only had like maybe like one more week left on the on the contract. And we we're like, oh man, we got to get in somehow. We we just sent a guy in to dress like everybody else who works in the office and just start dropping USBs everywhere. And two, I think three of them, three of them uh, uh, got some got some uh, juicy users. So yeah, it's very interesting. Oh, that's brilliant. I miss those kind of physical pin tests. One thing yeah. we had was. Um, According to the policy, the security guard station didn't have internet access. But if you've got a guy there after hours 
he's absolutely going to come with his own motive. He's going to find out. Yep. He's going to find so a way. You, oh, absolutely, every time. And if yeah. you want to get access to all your CCD, CCTV cameras, drop some USBs right next to where he smokes. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's usually a pretty positive hit rate on that one. Yeah, that's fantastic. Anyway, I, I guess what we're trying to say for those out there listening, uh, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. And, uh, you know, it's also, it, I wouldn't say it's easy to protect yourself, but there are things you can do. It is it's not impossible and it's and it's also not difficult. It's just a matter of, you know, uh, having the right buy-in, like you said, executive buy-in, making the right decisions at the right time and no, having people that know their stuff. And it's, uh, we, no one can ever guarantee zero ransomware attacks, but you can definitely mitigate it. You can definitely mitigate that risk. Yeah, that's right. And securing the user in a way that doesn't affect the way they operate as well is quite doable. Dual users need doable. administrator access. Dual users yeah. need a remote access. You Through those GP changes, uh, you can mitigate quite a few threats there where ransomware can't install or it can't move laterally easily through the network. Uh, we had one case where every user had remote access in admin. That means every user can go to the DC in one hop. Exactly. And, you know, shared, shared accounts, right? Shared accounts. That shouldn't even exist anymore. You know, a proper IAM uh, scheme in place, a proper PAM uh, scheme in place saves you a lot of headache. It's a lot of headache in the beginning, obviously, a lot of configuration and administration, but definitely saves money in the long run. Absolutely. And yeah, putting in the hard work uh, once properly, putting yes. in a really good position moving forward. Some Agreed. some problems um, that startups have is that they'll race to get the product out, but at no point do they stop and look back and go, okay, how do we secure this? And I think... Um, What's quite handy is when the security team gets involved in the development process as well. So that way, instead of the development process completing and the security team saying, no, that's uh, that's very insecure, they can actually help the team through that development process go, oh, we can tighten up these ports, uh, ports. we can, uh, this code here, we could uh, change that a little bit to make it more secure, uh, et cetera. We're, yeah, at Arangi, we're definitely a huge proponent of shift left. Um, we definitely believe uh, it's it's well worth it to go through the the timely and resource resource intensive and expensive practice of threat modeling during your planning phases. Of course, nobody wants to listen to us. Like you said, they want to ship fast, right? But it's definitely worth it in the end because when, you know, what we see is a lot of dev houses that they really want to ship fast, but some of them, them say, yeah, well, we're, we're security minded, right? So we build fast, right? And then right before release, we do a, a source code review or we do a pen test. And then we have this laundry list of findings, right? And maybe four or five of them are quite expensive to remediate because you're going to have to undo a lot of stuff you wrote. If you had planned, if you had planned it out earlier in the uh, process, you wouldn't be going through that, right? But um, again, it's still an uphill battle um, converting the devs to that to that kind of mindset. But definitely, um, again, it's something we also try to uh, yell as loud as we can at the top of our lungs, you know, shift left, make security part of the planning phase, and uh, you'll avoid a lot of headache down the road. Sounds like there's a lot of wool stories we can share. I, I think so. I think, uh, yeah, I, th I think it probably could have gone longer than 30 minutes, maybe. The takeaway for anyone listening is, you know, if you're really worried about ransomware, if you're really worried about how it will impact your organization, focus on hygiene. Hygiene is the way to go. Uh, work on your backups. Make sure your people are aware, security aware. Uh, work on your asset management, your risk management, um, you know, uh, data management as well, data, data mapping, right? Understand what you're securing, understand what it is. If it gets hit by ransomware, how hard do we, like how hard do we have to work to get it back, right? Uh, so um, 
the the foundations work on your foundations uh, hygiene that's a good point yeah if they identify what do you need to operate as a business secure that first and work out from there yeah definitely because um our focus our our thought is you're going to get hit sooner or later mm-hmm. right so we want to focus on response right and the the best way to focus on response is you know if something hits you you there are three questions you have to ask right what was that data that got hit right what is it exactly What's the risk? Uh, what's the risk when that data is, is completely lost? And do we have a plan? Those are the three first questions you have to answer. And if you can't answer those three questions, you got to focus on those right now. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, that was a very informative conversation on ransomware, especially how it affects uh, organizations here in APAC. And I think you've touched base on a lot of ways that organizations can protect themselves and prepare. Because, you know, like you said, Mark, it's not if you'll get hacked, it's when. And with that in mind, we want to thank you guys for uh, taking the time out of your busy mornings, protecting organizations in APAC from the latest cyber threats out there. And uh, until next time, uh, we hope to continue this conversation with other relevant topics in the world of cybersecurity. Thank you. Thank you.